Like I said, this morning is just uh, going to be a little different kind of service. Um, don't have any planned uh, music other than what you just heard, and that's intentional. And uh, you'll, we'll figure that out here in a minute, but let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, uh, first and foremost, for, for sending your Son. Lord, this, we just celebrated the, the season where uh, we, Christ was born. Lord, we, we celebrated Advent, just the uh, celebration and anticipation of the coming of Christ. And Lord, we thank you for the, for the Burchettes who just blessed us this morning and sung a blessing over us today. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit is in this place today and takes us uh, where you want us to go. In your name, amen. Amen. Like what I just prayed, we celebrated Advent, right, this month with uh, some themes, and it's all surrounding Jesus Christ, the, the celebration of his coming, and then again, the anticipation and looking forward to his second coming. And there are a couple of themes uh, and, and groups of people that we looked at. In the first week, we, we looked at the Old Testament prophets, and as they looked towards the first coming of Jesus Christ, they, it was a message of hope. Uh, there were some other messages wrapped in there, but predominantly it was, it was just a period of hope, of, of communicating hope. And then the next week, we looked at Mary and Joseph and the faith that Mary and Joseph brought to, uh, uh, at the Christmas story season. And it's an inspiration to us that they just they believed and they acted upon. We looked uh, in the third week at the angels and just the message of, of peace uh, uh, available to all and, and just the peace that God brings. And then we looked at the shepherds and just the joy that is available to us through Jesus Christ. And then on Christmas Eve, uh, the service here, we obviously fo- focused on Jesus Christ and at the motivation for everything that he gives us, whether that's the hope, the faith, peace, and joy that's available, all of it was motivated purely by the love of God. And so I know officially Advent is over. Uh, it finished uh, December 25th, but uh, we're going to extend it one more week because there's one people group that we have not looked at and, and, and what they contributed to the story. And that is found in Matthew chapter 2. Verses 1 through 2. And it reads this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. The Magi in the, in the Christmas story in the, in the story of, of Jesus' birth and the celebration and the looking forward to, the, rat, the Magi represent the appropriate response when discovering Jesus Christ. You see, everything else is, a, is God's gift to us. Right? Uh, he gives joy. He gives peace. He gives hope. He gives us His love. He, he really gives us faith. He gives us all of these things And then the Magi represent for us when we discover Jesus Christ and we discover His promises and all these things, what is our proper response to that? And so what we see here is that our proper response to discovering Jesus Christ is worship. And before we dig into uh, specifically what the Magi uh, contribute to to the story, we need to define what worship is. And I really uh, am taking the opportunity today to not have a lot of music because in our culture, we, we combine music as worship. And, and music is a piece of worship. It's a tool for worship, but it is not worship. And so really our focus today needs to actually be on worship, not on music. And so we're going to look at that today. And if you're wondering, uh, uh, Pastor Sean and his family. Um, we're scheduled to be on vacation this weekend to visit family, and over Christmas they, they got sick, and so I'm not sure where they're at in the healing process. Um, don't worry, I, it, as far as I know, it's not COVID-related. It's just normal, normal winter, you know, sickness, sniffles and all those kinds of things. So uh, keep them in your prayers for quick recovery, but uh, 
Um, let's dig into what is, let's define what worship is, and then we'll look at what the Magi uh, contribute. And, and I want to uh, forewarn you, prepare you in your pews, or, or if you're in the seats in the back, there's some slips of paper, there's probably some pens. It's because at some point, taste can be interactive. I'm going to ask you to reflect and contribute as well. And so just keep that in mind that today is not just a, a spectator sport only. We're going to get you involved. So, what is worship? Well, if you look it up in the Bible dictionary, just for face value, a definition for worship could be this. The act or action associated with attributing honor, reverence, or worth. The act or action. So singing can be worship because your singing can be an act of, of attributing honor, attributing reverence, or attributing worth to God. So it's the act or the action that, that gives these things, that points these things, that ascribes these things to God. Honor, reverence, or worth. So our worship then involves us giving these things to the one that we are worshiping. It's giving honor, it's giving respect, it's, it's putting in prominence or demonstrating the value that the object has that you're worshiping in you or in your life. Which is why uh, when we start talking about worship, we know that worship isn't reserved just for God, that all of human, humankind has worshipped things other than God, right? Because it's, it's, res, it's the respect, it's the, it's the value, it's the prominence that something has in your life. And so the actions of, of giving that to an object um, is worship. In the Greek, the Greek word, actually there's a few Greek words to um, to represent worship. One of them, which is the most prominent, is just the, the act. It means to kiss the hand or to fall upon your knees and touch the ground with your forehead. Now, I know as soon as I say that, your mind goes, oh, I've seen where, where in movies or in, in actually some uh, religious traditions of having to kiss the hand of somebody that's in power, right? Have, or kiss a ring or something of that nature. You've ever seen any of those kinds of things, right? So that's, you're, you're giving that, that person worship. You've seen in other religions too where, where people kneel on their knees and they bow down and they put their, their forehead on the ground, right? It's an act of worship because it communicates a lot of things, doesn't it? Right? If you're kissing the hand of someone or or you are kneeling and bowing down, it's, it's signifying humility, it's signifying submission, it's uh, signifying uh, a social uh, hierarchy that, that they are higher than you are, and you're, you're honoring that, you're, you're, um, you're noticing that, and you're letting them know that as well. So that's where the original Greek word comes from. Now there's other words that mean worship as well that are used very uh, infrequently. One of them being that the, the act of worship, because of the feeling of awe, the focus is on the, the return of worship because of how you feel, which actually is only used in Scripture about 10% of the time when talking about worship. Which is funny, because in our culture, that's like 99.9% of the time. Right? We respond because how we feel like worshiping. But really, in Scripture, it does not talk, uh, uh, encourage it actually encourages, like, hey, uh, we worship even when we don't feel like it because of where uh, this person is, for us, God, is in our life. Whether you feel like it or not, this person's worthy of it, and you do it. It's an action. So it's very important to understand that uh, biblically, even though it's in there, people responded in worship because of their awe of God, that that's actually a very uh, small percentage of the, of the uh, conversation around worship. Now, in the Old Testament, when we read, there's a very set way to worship God. If you've read through the Old Testament, you know through uh, Le uh, Leviticus, 
Uh, there's just a lot of rules on this is how we worship God. It's very specific. It's, it was done in a beautiful and very costly temple or, or tabernacle or tent. And there were items used in worship that were very costly, things made of pure gold, overlaid in golds, precious gems. Uh, and what did that communicate? Right? When you, when you lavish uh, and you have the best on whatever you're worshiping, you're communicating, hey, this is determining value. So it's a beautiful spot. There also was rules that you brought the first of your proceeds and the best of your proceeds. Nothing, nothing subpar. You had to bring uh, the best of whatever it was you had. If you were a farmer, you brought the best of your produce. If you, were, uh, you kept animals, you brought the best of your animals to the Lord um, first before you got to, to um, enjoy. There was also very particular processes. You couldn't just come in however you wanted to. You had to be dressed a certain way. You had to act a certain way. You had to go through a priest a certain way. Even the way you gave the offering had to be done a certain way with brushing this, waving that, just a certain procedure. You, you may have had to bathe first or wash first. or All of these particular processes and systems had to be followed to the T. And the, and the one who did it the most, man, that was just pure worship. Now we see all of that in the Old Testament, and then we switch to the New Testament. You know what's crazy? In the New Testament, there is no formal prescription for a certain order of worship. There's no, this is how you're supposed to do it, when you're supposed to do it, exactly this way and exactly that way, like there was in the Old Testament. There's actually, the New Testament, we talk about worship a lot, but there's no prescription, meaning there's no exact way that you have to do this. Why is that? Why would God have be so uh, strict and important here, and then in the New Testament, after Jesus comes, it's kind of just worship? Well, there's two things that I look at that I, uh, I think um, contribute to why this is so. The first one is this. You can go through a form of worship, but not mean it. So, example, uh, I, the prophet Isaiah warned Israel about this. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 13, he said this, Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. Now again, an offering was prescribed. You had to bring it to the Lord a certain way. They burned incense in order to, a fragrance to the Lord. So these were forms of worship. And he's saying they're meaningless and detestable. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations, I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Wow! Can you imagine for somebody who's, who's coming before God and saying, this is how I'm worshiping God, and God says, it's meaningless, I hate it, it's detestable to me. That's pretty offensive. Lord, we built you this incredible, ornate, expensive building. I come and I give you the first tenth of my best, and I'd go through all these processes, and you're calling this detestable? Well, why? He goes on, which Jesus quotes, but in Isaiah 29, 13, he says this, The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And so what God is saying here is say, listen, you can go through an act of worship, but you cannot mean it. You could potentially not even mean it in your heart. It would be the same equivalent of having to go through the worship of a, of a king uh, that's set up and you have to like, kiss the hand and pay homage and all these kinds of things, but in your heart you, oh, I hate that guy. But you have to go through it anyway because it's the thing you're supposed to do. See, when there's a prescription that this is the way, you have to come dressed this way into this place and say these things exactly with these specific offerings, the meaning behind it can get lost. You can just go through the ritual and your heart is far from what you're doing. I'm, just, I'm doing this because I'm supposed to do it. And, Jesus, and, and God here says, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for from your heart. What's the second reason that I think that there's no prescription in there is 
is this, is that Jesus came for all people. And, and let me explain. In Luke chapter um, 2, verse 10, oh, I'm sorry, I never finished uh, verse 13. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. And, and we, we know that's true, because if you've been in church before where there's a lot of rules that you have to follow, you end up thinking that my obeying those rules is my worship to God. Just like our culture today is like, if I sing a song about Jesus, I'm worshiping. Right? We have this thought process, if Jesus is in the song somewhere, then, I'm, then this is worship. And, and it's very similar. Our hearts can be far from it. You, you've, and I, and I know this is true because I've been there too, you can stand there and be mouthing songs in our worship service at church and your mind's off thinking about the game or food or this meeting from yesterday. Right? You can, it's the same, same scenario. Anyway, here we are. Luke 2.10. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. And that's important for us to know because uh, he wasn't coming just for the Israelites. Right? And for the Israelites, what it meant to, to give honor, to give respect and reverence, and to uh, account worth to God was a very prescribed way. Right? And guess what? If God's going to come for all people, and if God is after your heart of worship, that, that means you're going to worship you're going to worship with how you know to give honor, how you know how to give respect, how you know how to give value to somebody. And every culture does that different. Right, Cam? Cam's a missionary. He complete, his whole family understands they live in a different part of the world where, where honor is done differently than it is in America. Right? If, if you're in Japan, honor is done. If you're in, uh, in Africa, honor is done differently. If you're in South America, honor is done differently, right? So people, people give honor and they give worth and they give respect very differently in different cultures. And so if God's looking for it from the heart of the person, then he's going to work within their culture of how they give honor for them to, to worship. Right? If it's a prescribed way that has to get done, then, well, we're supposed to go around the world and teach you exactly what you're supposed to do, but that's Old Testament. That's a prescription of worship that then can lead people's hearts to being far from it. I'm just going through the motions to keep this God guy happy. But the, the real worship isn't coming from the heart. It's coming from a prescription. Jesus even kind of confirmed this in John chapter 4. He's having this conversation with a woman at the well. And she tries to alter the conversation, but he addresses something that's coming. In chapter 4, verse 19, the woman says this, Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. So this woman was a Samaritan which was, according to the Israelites, a mixed breed. It goes back to uh, captivity and um, when the Babylonians came in and they introduced, uh, they, they took some of the, the Jews, but then they introduced some of, of the Babylonians and the Assyrians to live there and they intermarried. And the offspring of that were considered Samaritans. They were just this, uh, as the Jews would think at that time, they were a polluted group of people. They weren't the pure people of God. But they had their own system of cultures, their own place to worship at this particular temple, on this particular mountain, and they believed that's where true worship took place. The Jews had theirs, like, no, 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 you have to be in Jerusalem in order to be truly worshipped. So they had this, no, this is real worship. No, this is real worship. They had this argument, and she's bringing this argument up before Jesus. Jesus replies this woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you don't know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers, the real worshipers, will worship the Father in the Spirit 
and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. What in the world is Jesus saying? He's saying, listen, your worship is not predicated on a location or in a certain building or in a certain uh, set of prescribed rituals you're supposed to do. What he's saying is your worship is based on a spiritual relationship with God. You're going to be worshiping spirit and in truth. That, that pretty soon you're going to be able to have this closeness with God and this relationship with God where you can, you can worship God, that you can give him the honor, the reverence, and ascribe value to him on a personal basis. You're not going to have to go through all these uh, you know, procedures. That it's going to be based on a relationship with God and having no prescribed way to worship God actually gives us freedom to worship God truly. Right? Now, now, a system and a procedure gives us some sort of comfort and some like, well, what does worship look like? This is what worship look like, looks like. But guess what? When we investigate the entire scripture, we get an idea of what worship is. But the ideas we find in scripture about around worship are not absolute. Nobody has an absolute definition on worship, just like nobody really has an absolute definition on love. We get our ideas of love because of what God did for us, and and we look at him, we say, God is love, so if I investigate God and I see how God, then I can love, but certainly we don't know the parameters of what love is, and, and that's the truth with worship. And so God wants worship to come from within us, out of a heart that's been transformed and affected by God, not, not a ritualistic exercise. So, that's worship. That worship comes from, from within you, out of response in, of your relationship and meeting Jesus Christ. Which is what gets us into the Magi now. Because the Magi met Jesus. And through their story, we can look at components of worship. And say, okay, Pastor, you just kind of blew my mind that worship is more than singing. Uh, and, but now you tell me that there's not an actual prescribed like, list of bullet points I need to do in order to worship? So how do I worship? What am I supposed to do? What am I not supposed to do? And the Magi really give us some, some great principles and some things for which we can uh, uh, understand what worship is. And we'll look at those this morning, and this is going to be the interactive piece. In Matthew chapter uh, 2, verses 1 through 2, we read this already. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. The first thing is we see here is that the Magi went in search of Jesus. When it says we came from the east, uh, when you look at a map of, of Israel, you have um, Israel, and then you have this huge desert until you get over into what is now modern-day Iraq, where the Euphrates River uh, dumps into the Gulf um, everything in between that was, was just desert. And so on that, uh, where the Euphrates River dumps into the Gulf is where you had uh, uh, ancient Babylon. Uh, that's where their kingdom was set up. It's where Baghdad is today in Iraq. It's on that section. But everything in between, to get there, you either had to make a journey across this insanely large desert, or you had to go all the way up the Euphrates River, down, up almost into what is modern-day Syria, down along the coast to get in. It was just a long journey. And so here are these wise men who, who see that God's stars appeared in the sky, and they go, we need to go search. We need to figure that out. We need, to, we need to go in search of that. We need to seek that out. And there's a component to our worship that we need to seek after God. You see, if we just sit back in our pews and our seats and our lazy boys at home and we just say, God, show yourself to me, but I'm not going to do anything to, to move forward, uh, that's not worship. 
See, when you give honor to somebody, you give reverence to somebody, you're giving value to somebody, when you say you're important enough that I'm going to go search and seek for you. It's okay. <laughs> so, how many would know that if, if somebody was seeking out to understand you and they were active about it, that may, how does that make you feel? Honestly, for those who have dated or have ever fallen in love, that's part of the process, isn't it? All of a sudden, this individual finds you intriguing and they want to know more. And you're not knocking on the door saying, hey, I want to tell you about me. No, they're calling you or they're, hey, can we get together? I just love, I, I just love getting to know you. What does that do for you as the individual who wants to be known? It, it, it elevates you internally, does it not? And so part of what the Magi did is they sought after Jesus. They said, man, we have enough to know and there's, there's lots of uh, research. We don't have time for it today. Um, as, as I said, I think Jim commented a week or two ago, uh, the belief that Daniel, who was very prophetic and was Jewish, was, was held in Babylon. And the Magi came from the east, which is Babylon was in the east. And so it's very possible that Daniel taught the wise men at the time to be on the lookout for the signs of the Messiah. And so, so they could have been said, oh, we saw this, we learned about this from Daniel. This is, it's a Messiah, it's a king born, we need to go investigate it. But whatever you choose to believe on that, the, the wise men searched him out. And there's lots of ways that we can search God out. I want you to take out that piece of paper. If you're home, grab a, grab a scratch pad, grab some recycled envelope, whatever, and a pen or a pencil. If you're sitting in the pews, there'll be some in front of you. Sorry, Malcolm, you, you found yours. <laughs> Just... And I want you to take the next 20 to 30 seconds. What about God are you curious about that you need to learn or discover? A mystery about God. Like, how, man, God, just, just, you're mysterious. I want to learn this about you. Or a question you have, like, well, how does that mesh? Or just something about God that you, you, you just want to learn more. Maybe it's just, hey, this whole idea of having a personal relationship with God. Maybe you feel like you don't know that well enough. Maybe you're like, I don't know about this. I, I mean, I understand who God is here, but to have a relationship. Like, what is it about God? Is it the Holy Spirit? Like, what's the Holy Spirit's work? I heard the Holy Spirit can be active in my life. Like, what? Or is it a, is it a question you have about God? God, why? Uh, you know, here's the famous one that I get asked, you know, a lot by people who don't believe, you know, if God is real, why do bad things happen to good people, right? Like, that's a tough one. Just going to tell you. But you know what? If you're curious and you seek God out, God will answer you. So something about God and his nature and his character, something you've read that you're just, you know what? I really want to seek that out. I really want to understand more about that about God. I'll give you a few seconds to think and and write something down. Don't worry. Uh, you can be honest with yourself. I'm not going to ask you to hand these in nor stand up publicly and, and, and profess them. So this is all for your benefit and exercise. All right, well, 
We'll move on in the story. You can, can, you can still write if you want to. Um, so the first thing we see in the Magi is they, they sought Jesus. They searched him out. They were curious, and they went on an expedition to learn, to understand, to seek, right? Let's pick up uh, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 9. Their journey had led them to Jerusalem, where the king told them to go to Bethlehem. And verse 9 says this, After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. First, uh, I was disappointed I didn't get to see the Christmas star this year because of the the cloud cover, but uh, very, very intriguing, right? That that two planets come come, uh, across paths, so to speak, lines up, so it looks this huge bright light in in the sky. And whether whether that's uh, what God used to direct the the wise men or whether it was a a divine supernatural event, we can see that it's possible that a bright star would come into the landscape that normally isn't there and that would be intriguing, right? Because this happens once every 800 years. So it's very possible that there was a star in the sky that guided the wise men. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. I just wanted to throw that out there. What we see in this section is when they came in and they were in the presence of Jesus, they bowed down and worshipped. And from our definition of worship, you can picture it in your eyes, the the bowing to the knees and placing the forehead to the ground, which was what? It was a sign, a recognition of superiority. That here they were in the presence of somebody who was more superior than they were. And that the kneeling and bowing with their heads to the ground was a form of submission to this superiority. This recognition that you are greater than I am. How how is this done? Well, in this culture, it was obvious. They went to the knees, they bowed their heads and and touched the ground, and this was a sign, a symbol that, that, hey, uh, I am recognizing who you are. And I'm recognizing my place in relation to who you are. Right? How do we do this in our culture today? Well, we can do it through body language. We can do it through our attitude, through our actions, through our words. And this is where the singing part of worship comes in. Because the words that we sing to God should be words that come from our heart that are truly what we mean. I often attribute, uh, you may have heard me say this before, the singing part of worship, like picking out a Hallmark card in the, in the aisle. I, I can't write nice, flowy stuff of how I feel. I'm like, yo, happy birthday. Right? Like, that's my creativity. With, but man, when I find a nice birthday card, I'm like, oh, oh, that's exactly how I feel about Cam. Steve. Mail to Cam. Right? And Cam reads it, this is how Steve feels about me. This is awesome. Music, to me, is the same way. Other people who have this great skill in writing to capture something that I feel, I then take their words and I proclaim it to God and say, yeah, this isn't original God, but it is how I feel. Right? That's, we use our words, but our words convey what should be coming from our heart. Not a worship leader come up here and saying, when you sing this song, it's worship. I almost played a video, but it went a little too far about this worship service where these people were just singing random words. And the visitor was like, I don't even understand any of this. What are they talking about? And that's true. Sometimes we can feel like we're just singing, talking randomness. It should come from the heart. I know if Pastor Sean were here, we have lots of conversations about, let's pick music that, um, that is correct in its vocabulary on worshiping God. Not just stuff that has a cool vibe or that makes me feel good when I'm singing it, but is what the words we're saying actually true? Is it actually how we feel? And and that's important to us. It should be important to you. Part of worship is recognizing 
that God is supreme, that, that God is superior, that God is, is greater, and that we are in submission to him. That's part of worship. And so I want you to take a few minutes, and I want you to list on that, on that same paper, I think there's another section on below, I want you to list some words to describe how or who you believe God to be. So you say, well, give me some examples, uh, Pastor Steve. So you might, God might, to you, now don't, we don't want Sunday school answers. These are how you really feel about God. So maybe for you, God is loving. Say, so, man, God is loving. Or maybe God, for you, is, is powerful. Or, or maybe, it, and it can be more than one word. Maybe it's a sentence you need to write. But to you, who is God to you? Or how is God to you? How is like I think you understand what I'm saying. Just think through some of who God is to you and, and write down those words or those sentences that come to mind for you. I want you to look at those words that you've written. And while this music is playing for the next minute, I want you to tell God he's those things to you. If you put down loving, say, God, you are loving. If you put down powerful, say, God, you are powerful to me. Whatever it is you wrote, I want you to take this minute and tell God that he is those things to you. Congratulations, she just wrote your first worship song. <laughs> really? You see, this is, this is how, in your quiet time, you can worship God. You say, well, I, I don't know how to sing Pastor Steve. I, don't, I can't play an instrument. I can't. You say, no, that's, that's not what we're talking about. You see, as you reflect, as you maybe read your word in the morning and you discover some things or something happens throughout your day and you're like, man, God really came through for that. And you start thinking, man, God is awesome. I can't believe God cares for me like that. I can't, oh, I can turn that now and worship God by saying, God, you love me so much. You are so awesome. You came through when nothing would come through. That's worship. You are now, you are giving him honor. You are giving him reverence. You're speaking to him of the value that he has in your life. That's worship.
And you can do it every day. You can do it throughout your day. I know my most incredible times of worship are, are when I've hiked to a mountain peak and I get to that peak and I look out and I'm like, <gasps> and my breath is taken away. And I look around and I go, man, God, you, you are amazing. I can't believe you created all of this. That all this came from, from your mind and you, it just shows me how awesome and, and I just, I, I'm overwhelmed because I start to understand who God is and then I tell him who he is, who I believe him to be. This, this is worship. This is ascribing God honor. This is giving him glory. And you can do it spontaneously. You don't have to do it in a certain way. You don't have to do it to cool little misty music. I mean, you could do it with an electric guitar and a drum beat. God, you're all, I mean, right? You, you're free as long as it's coming from the heart. You, don't have, you can have no music at all. You can even do it with one of those little annoying recorders from middle school. <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. The point is this. There's, a, there's part of our worship. Um, we just demonstrated uh, a singing piece and a using our words to give God worship. But there's a, there's a, a component here that the Magi teach us of, of bowing down and recognizing the superiority of God and your submission to that. That's worship. Let's move on. In uh, the next verse in Matthew chapter uh, 2, or the same verse, 2.11, says, Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, of frankincense, and of myrrh. Uh, they gave gifts of value to God. And, and you say, uh, were these gifts valuable to God, or were these gifts valuable to the person doing the giving? And it's the person doing the giving it's valuable to God when it comes from the heart of the person doing the giving. But when we talk about gifts of value, uh, God owns everything already. So, so that's why Jesus can sit at the temple entrance and look at a widow who puts in two small copper coins and say she gave more than that rich guy who just put in a bag of gold. Because she gave, she gave out of a heart of worship, out of her out of her need, she said, God, you're, 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 I worship you with this. It's more valuable to me to give you this because it's everything I have than for the rich man to say, yeah, this is, yeah, this is a portion of my proceeds or my profits. It, you, the comparison, it's the value for, of the, that it is to the giver. You see, we give God... When we show him honor and we ascribe worth to him, it's when we give him things that are valuable to us. And the most valuable things we have is our time, our talent, and our treasure. Right? Those are, those are the three things that we, we value the most. How we spend our time, how we spend our, our money, the, the natural gifts that we have, uh, the skills that we have, how do, how do we use those appropriately? These are the things of greatest value to us. And when we give those things freely to God from our heart as a, God, I just want to worship you. This is valuable to me, so I give it to you. That's worship to God. It's absolute worship to God. So often, we get in the habit of giving God our leftovers. Right? Well, God, if I have money at the end of the week, I'll, 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 I'll give an offering. Well, God, if I have any time left after I've you know, done my job and done my house chores and my family and then some personal time, you know, God, I have some personal time. Like, if I have anything left over, God, then, then I'll, I'll give that to you. And when we give God gifts that are valuable to us, we say, hey, I really don't have any time. I really should be doing this, but God... You're more valuable to me than that. So I'm going to give you this time. Or, or cash, money, whatever. Like, God, I, I really want to go buy that new fill-in-the-blank, whatever. But God, you're more valuable to me than that. So instead, I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you. Right? So these are, these are acts of worship. We just give God gifts of value. 
And, and that's where I can't, I can't determine what's valuable to you. You know what's valuable to you. And we worship God by giving him what's valuable to us. So again, that, that piece of paper you have, you can flip it over, we have both sides. question is this, what can you give to demonstrate God's worth to you? Because when you give from what's valuable, you're, you're, you're demonstrating to God that, that hey God, uh, you have a high value to me because I'm, I'm offering this to you. I'm giving this as an offering. And so what is it, what's something you can think of that, that's valuable to you that you can, that you can offer to God? This is really an area to be creative in. Most of the time we think in, in realms of just money, right? Like, oh, I give an offering at church. Um, and, and I don't belittle that. Money is valuable to all of us. But sometimes we need to be a little bit more creative. I know, um, I know of businessmen who, who make obscene money uh, with the skill that they have and, and donate their time and that skill to a nonprofit for free knowing that they could make $1,000 an hour doing what they're doing. But they decide to take, hey, no, this four hours, uh, you know, every other week, I could have made four grand, but no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it for the glory of God and, and propel God's kingdom. That's, that's an act of worship because that's valuable to them. It's, they can earn money that way. It's their skill, it's, right? Or, or, or just the, the time, if, if you're out straight and you're always busy and you've got so much going on in life, you say, hey, I need to press pause because God's important to me. So God, even though I have a lot going on in life, I'm gonna, I'm, I am going to carve out this time for you because you are valuable to me. Like, th- these, are th- these are acts of worship um, that you're giving something of, that's valuable to you, to the Lord. Sometimes it's responding, giving up being close to family, Right? And, and moving halfway around the world to, as an act of worship to the Lord. There's a, whole, there's a whole host of things. So, what can you give to demonstrate God's worth to you? Last thing we look at here in verse 12. The Magi, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The last thing they show us is obedience. And uh, uh, this one, I don't think you can actually uh, have a lack of obedience and have it be genuine worship. See, they altered their plans for God's plan. They were obedient. God said, hey, uh, don't, don't go the route you're thinking. I want you to go that route. And they had a choice. They had a choice, right? No, I, I think I want to just keep doing what I'm doing. Or, you know what? God said this, we're going to do this instead. And so obedience, uh, really, when you dig down Old Testament, New Testament, um, if obedience is not involved, it, there's really not genuine worship involved. Now, let me give you an example. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, um, uh, the, the, the scenario here is that Saul is mustering up his army to go fight a fight, and they're waiting for the prophet to come and give the offering to the Lord, and the men are getting nervous, and Saul's getting nervous. And uh, um, he also has uh, gone off to victory and won a victory, and he didn't completely do everything that God told him to do. And so there's this whole mixed bag of things. And, and verse 22, Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. The fat of rams, stand that piece. We'll, we'll talk about that another day. 
But we get the idea. The, to obey is better than sacrifice. Sacrifice was the form of worship. They were sacrificing an offering to the Lord to, as a sign of worship to the Lord, but he did it in disobedience. And, Psalm, and Samuel was saying, listen, uh, the obedience is much more valuable to God than the sacrifice. You obeying God is way more important than you going through the little ritual you have or the little offering you give if you have no intentions on obeying what he says. And so um, I, uh, I think the quote I read in a commentary was, was this, obedience to God's will is vital to genuine worship. And so uh, the obedience to God, what does obedience show? Right, as a, if you're a parent, right, and, you're, and your child is obedient to something you instruct them to do, what, what does that demonstrate to you? That they, they honor and respect you, right? That what you say and what you tell them has value to them and to their life. And maybe when they're little, it might just be they feel like, oh good, I'm not going to die at my parents' hands today because I didn't do what they want them to do. Not literally, but you know, kids, anyway. Right? Like sometimes you just obeyed because you're afraid of the consequences. But at some level, uh, when, they, when they listen and they obey, it's a, it's a sign of it's honor, it's respect, it's, it communicates these things. And so when we, when we obey God's word, when we obey his plans, when we alter our ideas for his ideas, when we, when we alter our way of living for his way of living, when, when we alter these things for him, it's, a sign, it's worship. It's worship, right? When, when, we, when we throw off the old self and we put on the new self that Paul talks about, that, that's worship. Which is why in Romans it says, be uh, transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is your reasonable act of worship. When you're, you're allowing your mind to be transformed, not from what the world tells you or what you were brought up thinking, but what, what God says, what God thinks, what God does. When you're when you're allowing that process to happen, it's a reasonable act of worship to God. You're, you're exchanging what you want for what he wants. It's worship. And the, the Magi demonstrate this to us when God says, no, 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 don't go home that way, go home that way. Seems like such a small thing, doesn't it? God, what's ridiculous? Why can't I go home the way I want to go home? God says, just go home, go that way instead. Right? And in doing so, they were being obedient and they were offering worship to God. So, last thing I want you to write down. One thing you need to do to be obedient to God's will or God's plan for you. Just one thing. What's one thing that you know, you know, God, God would like it if I would do or not do this and I need to, I need to respond. God's asking me to fill in the blank. What's one thing? Listen, as we, as we close out this year, as we close out Advent, as, uh, the role that the Magi play in this is, is th- 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 there's several ways you can take it, but, but for the focus we have today, is when you meet Jesus Christ, what should our response to him be? And our response to him should be worship. And that might include singing. It might, but I know some people who hate singing. I know some people who, who don't like uh, lots of music, lots of wordy music and those kinds of things. They just, it's not, uh, and the, the feeling that I'm only worshiping God if I'm 
repulsive to me. And so guess what? In Christ, we don't, we don't have a prescribed way that we have to worship. We have principles of worship. Principles the, that the Magi demonstrate to us, this principle of seeking God out. This, this, this principle of, of, of recognizing His superiority and our submission to that. Right? This, this principle of obedience. This principle of giving. That these are, these are principles, and within those principles, as we, as we give, as we recognize, as, as we do these things, as we obey, God is glorified and he is worshipped through our life. So, so if, you, if you don't like to ascribe God by singing, it, you know, it's okay. What else are you going to do instead? What's going to come to your heart that when you've met Jesus Christ, you've, you've begun to read his word, and man, just... Your, your brain, you can't believe, wow, with all these things. Like, how are you going to return that? What's, what's your response going to be? And that you're free to worship God truly in a spiritual relationship with Him. The question as you go in, as we tie this year up, we go into next year, is how can you show honor, reverence, and worth to God in the upcoming year? In the little paper that you have, you can take home with you, or if you have it at home already, that gives you a template of where to start. Man, what's the one thing I can do to show God how valuable he is to me? What's the, what's the, what, what words do I have within my mind and my heart that when I read that, well, yeah, that's who God is to me? What one thing does he, is he looking for my obedience in that maybe I haven't responded and I, I should respond this year? Because I want God to know who he is to me. I want to honor him. I want to give him reverence. I want to worship him. And may this fuel our upcoming year that that our worship to God doesn't come from a, a canned, prescribed thing. We have to sing, we have to do this, and we do this, and I have to read my Bible for two minutes each day, and blah, blah. Like, those things are important, but if, if they're not coming from the ticker... If they're not coming because you love God, because, man, this relationship that I have available to me is, gives me life, like that's where it needs to come from. Let that, like that motivate you. Let that start you somewhere. As we worship God in spirit and in truth, not just with music. I would love to, to finish out this year that way and as we go into next year is to just be a people who are trying to seek God out. I mean, how can I show God honor? Like, can you imagine if that motivated our services on Sunday morning through our week? Like, how can I, how can we show up and give God honor today? How can we show up and describe the worth that God, that God has? How can we ascribe? And you can see if this is the heartbeat, you can see the different cultures of people, Right? Some people build ornate temples, precious, gorgeous, you know, all this stuff. And for them, it's like, hey, by me spending this kind of cash, I'm giving God value. And in your culture, you might go, that's ridiculous. That money could be spent doing something else. But no, to them, though, man, we're building this amazing thing out of, in honor to God. We want people to, right? That's, but if it's coming from a pure place, that's worship. So let's, let's get creative this upcoming year. How can we give God honor and respect and worth by, by what we do and what we say? From here. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's pray and then we'll go home. Lord, we thank you that you came and you did so much for us uh, that we can't even really comprehend. But Lord, simply put, you came and you, you offered us eternal life. And we, over, we are overwhelmed with, with gratitude. Um, we are overjoyed as the, the wise men who came into your presence and were filled with joy. Their natural response was to, to worship. And Lord, I pray that this uh, the remaining of this year and the upcoming year, Lord, that that would be our natural response to you, would just be to worship you, 
that we would give you the honor and the reverence and the value that are due you. That, Lord, help us be creative to use the things that you've given us already to honor you with. Whether that be our time, whether that be our treasures, whether that be our talents. Help us, Lord. Seek you out and worship you. Truly. We ask this, Lord, in your precious name. Amen.